Okay, so the question is, criticism, right? Your child is doing something, like over here he's stabbing the walls, and whatever it is for each person, if you close your eyes or keep them open, you can think of something, I'm sure, that your kid does that you want to criticize. Okay. So, should you criticize them nicely? Should you criticize them not nicely? What should you do? So, the answer is as follows. The answer is that I believe, I believe that the children acting out, our kids acting out, are sick. And therefore, as soon as you move to physical illness, almost all of the questions go away. Imagine your kid has fever, and they have a stomach virus, and your kid goes ahead and throws up right on the living room white couch. Would you go over and say, listen... (laughs) Please, if, if you, uh, you know, not the couch. You know, please, not the couch. Now, let's say you did. It would be mushuga. But what do you mean? It's a good point. You, you don't want to have all of this vomit on the white couch. It's true. And he should be more considerate and do it in the toilet. That's all. Everything is true. But why are you, why would everybody look at somebody who criticized their kid about where the kid threw up as a nut? You know why? Because if you do that, that means that you're coming into the picture thinking that this kid has Bechira, that this kid had a choice. You're coming into the room thinking that I have to teach my kid right from wrong because they're so stupid and evil and bad that they can't figure out where to throw up. Or they know where to throw up and they don't care about me and they're selfish and they're self-centered and they're manipulators and they're liars, all the bad stuff. And all you did was say, could you do me a favor next time? You know how much misunderstanding you need to have in your brain to say those words? It means that you don't realize, I don't have a choice. I don't have, I'm not bad. Now what happens if Hashem tells you, this kid is good. Nothing he does is because he's bad. So now, you can't go and say, can you please not do that? Because obviously, if he's good and he did that, it means he doesn't have a choice. So, we don't really know anybody else's Bechira. But we know our kids, for sure, don't have our Bechira. And we know that if we criticize them, there's two parts. Either we're right or we're wrong. Let's say we're right, we criticize them correctly in the proper way. It separates our relationship, it ruins it, and the kids get worse. That's if we're right. But a lot of times we're actually wrong how we say it, the way we say it, what we thought, or evaluating the situation is wrong because we thought that he has Bechira and he just did that because he's bad or lazy or stupid. And that's the wrong way to judge the situation. So either you're right or you're wrong, either way you lose. Let's take it a, let's take it a step further. If you believe your child is good and the child has anxiety or depression or PTSD, pain and pain, and because of their pain, because you know if they didn't have pain and you deleted all the pain, this kid now would be learning in yeshiva and would be married and successful or whatever it is. And now they're on the bottom of the world because of their pain. And they have so much pain and the pain causes them to stab the wall. I want them to. I don't want them not to. The kid, cancer, and then they, they go for chemo, and then they're nauseous, and they have to throw up. I want them to throw up on my couch. 
I don't want them to have to figure out where to throw it. I want them to be comfortable. It's the only thing I can give them. I'm, I should take that away from them also. I, I want them to express their pain. I want them to express their pain. Nebuch, the kid is in so much pain, he wants to die, and he damages a wall, and then we come over and we say, can you please not do that? It shows that we don't understand what's in your brain, we don't understand your life, because if you, let's put it this way, let's say you came home, and you saw your wife, and she took a knife and she stabbed the wall. You know your spouse for 30 years, never did that before. Would you say, "Uh, honey, can you not do that over there? That's my favorite wall. Can you go ahead and do it on that wall, which is already dirty? No. You would stay back and say, oh my, what happened to, what happened to my spouse that all of a sudden they're stabbing walls? There, there's a bigger problem here. The problem is the kid is in so much pain that they don't have control. Like he apologized to you. He said, I'm sorry, I did stuff. They break stuff out of anger and then we're like, oh, you broke my vase? And the impression that the kid gets is, you care more about the vase than my brain is on fire. Right? You care more about the, the car that I bashed up than, than the fact that I walked out of there alive. You care more about the neighbors than you care about me. Right? That's what your daughter said. After many years of telling her, please, on Shabbos, park around the corner. She said, but with your rub's permission, park in front of the house. And she said, oh, I always thought you cared more about this, the neighbors than you care about me. They're hyper, super sensitive. So the kid does something wrong. When we give them criticism to their actions, look how many triggers it's for them. They feel so frustrated. Because it means I don't believe in you. I think you're too stupid to understand life, so I'm going to teach you. Please don't you know, do that over there. You know what I mean? Like you're an animal that I have to tra- explain things to. And it shows above everything is that I'm not even focused on your pain. I would go over to him and I would say, listen carefully, any time that you need to stab a wall, that you feel that frustration, that you feel like you need to stab a wall, or break a vase, or smash something, I don't care what it is. If that's what's going on in here, please, get it out of your system. I'm so hopeful and happy for you not to have that pain up here. That if you need to break something, break something. I'm not sending you a bill. I'm not going to get angry at you for what you broke. I'm going to get angry at what the person who broke you. I'm not angry for what you do when you're in pain. I'm angry at the fact that you're in pain. And it's the same thing Nebuchadnezzar when they get a tattoo. And it's the same thing Nebuchadnezzar, all of this stuff when they do, when they get all the piercing, all the stuff and they shave their head. Angry at you for shaving your head? If, if, the, if the child would have had a normal life in your family with your values and not pain and trauma, they wouldn't shave off half their hair. And now I'm embarrassed, could you this, can you cover, did you have to, why did you... It doesn't work. It makes them feel, you don't get me, you don't like me. People think it's like, oh, you have to be their friend. No. They have to understand that you understand them and you're not using regular normal glasses to judge them like you would judge everybody else. If a regular healthy person does something, you could say, hey, why'd you do that? That's not, it doesn't make sense for you. It's not going to bring you happiness. Someone who's a major pain and depression, anxiety, you can't even imagine what they're like and they do something that we don't approve of, we're going to have a talk about it? Even if you do it in the nicest way, it's so disrespectful. And everybody could think about themselves because everybody knows somebody who's judging them. Everybody. Think about somebody who judges you 
and you get so frustrated and anger, and they could be saying it, whether it's an older sister or an aunt or a wonderful friend kind of person who thinks they're better than you. You know, you know, everybody has that person who's always makes you feel crummy and horrible, and it doesn't actually make you want to be like them. Go explain to a kip something, and he's supposed to now express to you, well, mommy, let me explain to you how I ended up over here. When I was six, and then when I was seven, and let him talk, every, all the pain inside of him, and all his frustration, and you'll feel his pain to such a degree that you'll smash the vase, and you'll take the knife and smash the wall, and you'll put a hole through the wall. So when a kid puts his hole through the wall, we're angry about the hole? We have to be angry that our kid is in so much pain that he broke his, his, his mind went sugar that he, had, he punched a hole through the wall. That a good, sweet kid would put a hole through the wall. In Home Sweet Home, I had so many holes in the wall. I told them, write your name on it. Put a smiley around it. And they would say, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to. I said, I know you didn't mean to. I know you didn't mean to. I know you had no choice. And guess what? It's fine. The last thing I cared about in Home Sweet Home was my walls. And the last thing you have to care about is your walls and your reputation and your bank account and your money and your friends and your family and everything else. Because you have to care about your kid. And here is the kicker of all the kickers. When they do something like that, that they know is wrong and it's not done, it's inappropriate, okay? That's the opportunity to get deeper into their neshama than ever before. That's the opportunity to say, it's okay. It's okay. Don't ever hold yourself back. The same as we would naturally do for a kid who's throwing up. It's okay. Don't worry about it. But I threw up on the Shabbos table, right? Shefalah, don't worry about it. You know, if you could have, you would have. If you could have made it to the bathroom, you would have. I'm not second-guessing you. I'm not judging you. It's the last thing on your mind. Don't worry about it. But I ruined the whole thing, even though it's true. And your cholent looks even worse than usual. And it's like, no, don't worry about it. See, don't worry about it. I'll serve it to the guests. They'll never know. I don't care about anything. I don't care about anything. I only care about you. And when you do that, and when you do that, you make a tikkun in their neshama far deeper than the criticism, even in the nicest way, ever could. Now, one more point. People, when the kid does something wrong, they deal with the here and now. Don't deal with the here and now. Deal with a year and two from now. Give them medicine so the kid will change. I get calls from people not in TP. I don't answer it because they can't. What do I do? My kid did it. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do you do? Take him on vacation, spoil him physically, emotionally, and have fun with him and boost the part of him that's broken. And you'll see in two years from now, you're not going to have the problem. We've got to make the questions go away. It's like, oh, he stole the car. What do I do? Somebody who steals a car, you have a very bad relationship, feels unloved, feels like the world is against him, and doesn't care about living. That's your problem. The problem is not that he stole your car. The problem is not that he bashed up your car. The problem is you have a kid who is... Sabrachin is broken and wants to die. Right? So the problem is never the problem. Kid threw a party, invited friends, and they, and they, and they messed up my house. I feel very bad. I wouldn't want that in my house. But you have a much bigger problem. You have a kid that doesn't want to live. You have a kid who's and who's lost and doesn't have any future. That's a much bigger problem. So don't deal with this problem in a way that makes this kid have this problem for longer. 
deal with the problem in a way so in five years from now you have a much healthier kid who's not even doing that. Like all of our kids, the kids who were when they were in the crazy years with the parties, whatever, you look at them a few years later, they stop. We got to keep them alive and boost them. So we're not trying to stop you from this action or that action. Adarabba, be comfortable to be you. Be comfortable. It's okay. We're good. Okay? If you needed to punch the wall, I'm sure you had a really good reason. And I feel bad, not for my wall, for my son. So I learned everything, like, you know, from the kids in Home Sweet Home. And the kid in Home Sweet Home was about 350 pounds. He was a big bruiser. He was a really strong kid. And I was sitting next to him, and he was so frustrated. He says, Avi, I feel like i got to punch something. Now, honestly, I'm not like that. Baruch Hashem, I never had that level of pain, frustration. I never felt like I need to punch something. Maybe that's just not my, my outlet, you know what I mean? He felt like I got to punch something, which means punching is a tikkun for him, right? Because it, it gets the frustration out of his brain, and it's too hard. He needs, to, he needs, and that's why a lot of people put in punching bags in the basement or kickboxing. There's the axe throwing. There's a place, I, don't, I haven't seen it in a long time. There's a place that you can go, and they let you, you pay money, you can smash and break stuff. That's fun. Yeah, you get it out. Rage room. Excellent. And maybe you can personalize and get like pictures of your mother-in-law. Whatever. Make it fun. Anyway, so this guy was sitting next to me, right? And it was in the early, in the early time, the first few weeks that he was there. And I was bonding with him. We were sitting in the car and he tells me, I feel like I just, I gotta plunge something. So I was sitting here. He was sitting there. I said, okay. So punch me. Punch me over here. So he looks at me, and he's, this kid was really strong. He looks at me, he goes, what? I said, look, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you, right? That's why I'm here. That's why we're talking. And if you got to punch somebody, right? So, okay, so punch me. He couldn't believe it. You know, and I, I took off my glasses. And I said, just don't hit my, don't, don't miss, don't hit my head, just go for it. And he didn't punch me, but the, the chiddush was, he didn't need to punch after that. I took out the, the, the thing inside of him, that he felt like he, need, he didn't need to punch. Now I took a gamble. Okay, I took a really big gamble because he would have broken my whole I don't know what. But I understood, I had a good tchashash, had a good, good feeling that he wasn't going to hit me. So, Adarabba, the kid says, I'm so frustrated, I feel like I want to punch a hole in the wall. And we jump in front of the wall. No! Got to defend the wall. How could you do that? It's newly painted. Look how we're missing the boat. He says, Shefala, I love my wall, but I love you more than my wall. And if it's going to help you in any bit, even temporarily, to put a hole in that wall, believe me, it's fine. It's fine. We have a parent here who just um, who told us the kid punched a hole in the wall. And so they, they put afterwards a picture in front, you know, picture frame, and it was fine. The kid smiled. They don't want to, and they're not bad. It's like Tourette's. You can't control what you do. So that's a very good question. The good question is if you should fix the wall or not. That's a good question. That depends on every single type. On the one hand, fixing the wall could be very good. On the other hand, it looks like, again, I care about the wall. So I'm not sure. Different punch, different kid. Yeah, no. There are certain walls, certain holes that we should not cover up because it represents their pain. You leave the hole, he went through a trauma, he wants the hole. He sees he wants the hole. Okay. So as you get closer to the kid... Right. Okay, the point is, we don't care about holes, we don't care about walls, we don't care about anything, we just care about our kids. And when you take their side, you realize that if they did something really bad, there's a reason. Now, 
when we deal with the thing, we lose making a tikkun and healing the reason, we end up with a, a bigger problem for a longer amount of time. Forget about what they're doing and get under that wall, nafshik shur benafshay, to heal them. Right? We have kids who are dealing drugs. We don't want them to deal drugs. The way to do that is kids who have a high self-esteem and life is great and they're flying around the world with their mommy and their daddy and they're being spoiled, those kids on their own will stop dealing drugs. So we have to boost because drug dealers have low self-esteem. Everybody knows you could sell drugs to kids and make a lot of money, but normal people don't do that. Only broken self-esteem people do that. And it's the same for everything. When they're happy, they start thinking about, you know, if you don't, don't enjoy this world, how are you supposed to start thinking about the next world? So we don't want to challenge them. We don't want to do anything to teach them. Chinuch is wonderful. I love chinuch on healthy kids. Like Rabbi Yashif said, in the right time, in the right place, even for a healthy kid. Now when a kid is going through a crisis, going through a trauma, they don't think they have a future, you're going to be mechanach them, you're never going to succeed. Now is not the time to teach them about the value of a dollar, so many mistakes that people make. This kid wants to die, and the parents have to teach them the value of a dollar. No, no, no. Now's the time to boost this hot air balloon is sinking, and if it crashes, God forbid, we're in big trouble. There's a hole in it. We can't fix the hole. You need therapy and trauma therapy for that. You boost up. You boost up that hot air balloon every time. You make sure it doesn't crash. You do that for a couple of years, the Ezra Sashem, they're going to get strong and they're going to be able to deal. Like the Nesiva Shalom said, they are good. They are diamonds. They are strong. They are a chelik mal. We have to get them through the dark years. We never do anything that can make us lose our effect. You see any kind of criticism at all. Besides for what I said before, you just you lost the patient for another week or two. You just they can't be macabre from us. It, it causes a disconnect. It causes a disconnect. You min macabre small a small automatically causes a disconnect. You, you know, on a healthy kid, it could be good. Sometimes, Rabbi Yashif said, only once every seventy years should you do small shana. That's what his grandson said. So the whole small thing is not so pushed anymore. But for our kids. Now? Now? I had a parent said, but I have to teach him. I said, not now? Not in crisis? We'll have time to teach him later. And the kicker is, when they get out of crisis, you don't have to teach them because they knew it all along. They knew it when they were 8, 9, 10. They didn't forget it. And when they're healthy, they'll be, they'll have all that stuff also and hopefully and you'll have your kid. This is Avi Fischoff and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.